It's about the parent. And so the wrong problem is the kid. So when something is wrong in your parenting, typically we go, what's wrong with the kid? You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 390. Today, we're talking about the Conscious Parenting Roadmap with Dr. Shafali Sabari. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hey, welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Welcome back. If you are a repeat listener, so glad to have you. And listen, if you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you have ever gotten any value from this podcast, and I know you will today, please do me a favor and go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more and it just takes like 30 seconds. And I hugely, hugely appreciate it. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with the Dr. Shafali Sabari. Dr. Shafali received her doctorate in clinical psychology from Columbia University, specializing in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy. She brings together the best of both worlds for her clients. She's an expert in family dynamics and personal development, teaching courses around the globe. Dr. Shafali has written four books, three of which are New York Times bestsellers, including her two landmark books, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. And today we're going to talk about her latest book, which is out right now. I think it's out, comes out the day this podcast released, The Parenting Map. And so in this book, she's answering the question, the how question that really drives me forward and doing all the work I do, how do we parent consciously? So I talked to Shafali about the lowdown on this new step-by-step guide that she has to disrupting toxic inherited patterns and creating healthy, conscious relationships with our kids. You're going to learn why our kids are doing what they're doing and how to direct our energy to what we can control. I enjoyed this conversation so much, and I know you will too. Join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Shafali. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child, no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. 
Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Shafali, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad to have you finally on. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about all things parenting. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about your new book, The Parenting Map. And I'm really excited about it because, at least from my point of view, I'm obsessive about the like, but how do you do this thing? How do you do this thing? And I'm just wondering in your own words, if you could tell us kind of why you wrote this latest book. It Was it to answer that question, like, how do you parent consciously? Yes, I've written three conscious parenting books, and I still felt that people needed a very broken down, easily digestible, step-by-step map for progressing through this journey. And that's what this book is about. I believe it's written in really simple lay terms to help anyone from no matter whether they've started a mindfulness practice or not to pick up this book. You know, I teach people, you know, how to connect, how to break your patterns, how to discover your ego in a very easy step-by-step manner. So yes, this book was to answer the how of conscious parenting. No, I love that too. And and like I told you, I'm I'm always so relaxed when I see illustrations. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, this is great. There are illustrations. I can do it. I can do it too. Yes. So yes. In step one, you say that we need to focus on the right problem. So what what is this? What is the right problem? Or maybe what's the wrong problem? The wrong problem is the kid. It's not about your child. I say that if it was supposed to be about your child, it would be called childing. And I was just interviewing Hal Runkel and he said, yeah, it should be called kidding if it's about the kid. So it's about the parent. And so the wrong problem is the kid. So when something is wrong in your parenting, typically we go, what's wrong with the kid, right? Why is my kid not listening? Why is my kid not paying attention? Why is my kid disrespectful? We're always asking, why is my kid X, Y, and Z? This is the wrong focus. The focus needs to be What am I doing that my kid cannot process what I'm saying? What am I doing that my kid is not giving me the respect I think I need? When we shift the focus back on us, the parent, we now enter a place of self-scrutiny, self-awareness, and we begin to modify our approach. We begin to adapt our approach to who the kid is versus making the kid adapt to who we are. So it's a The first fundamental mind shift you need to do as a conscious parent is stop making this about your kid and make this about you. Now, some parents will say, well, that's so selfish. (laughs) And I say, no, 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 you're actually being less selfish because when you're focusing on the kid, you're making the kid adapt to your ego. And that is the most selfish thing you can do versus making it about you adapting to who your kid is. Now you're actually a selfless parent. Okay, so what you're saying, I want to see if I can translate it in a way that makes me understand is that, you know, when we go to our, when I went to my daughter Maggie and I was like, ah, you're not listening, you're driving me crazy. And I wanted her to calm down. So basically so that I could feel better because it was upsetting me so much and making me feel so crazy. I needed to turn that lens back on myself to say like, okay, so what is it about what I'm doing, saying, behaving, my energy, those kind of things that is inciting these things in our kid. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Or I'm using words that don't work for my kid. Just the other day, I said something to my kid, Mm. uh, something akin to you're blowing this out of proportion Mm. and she lost it. And so she blew it out of proportion, right? (laughs) But, um, But I then remember that she had told me, mom, I don't like it when you dismiss my my feelings, Uh right? And I keep doing it and I keep not learning. So she keeps having to get upset. And then I keep saying the same thing. Why are you blowing it out of proportion? But I don't see how I'm triggering the situation. Uh So when we parents keep saying, my kid is not listening, my kid is not respectful, my kid, my kid, my kid, what we're failing to understand that we're giving them all our power and actually we're making ourselves powerless. And B, we keep using them as objects that need to be puppets, right? We keep thinking that they should just do what we want. Basically, we're saying we want control. Hmm. 
Both these things are designed for disaster and disconnection. What we need to do is flip it all around and go, what am I doing that is not working for my kid? Mm. And this is the way I get power back because I'm changing my way and controlling my ways so that they create the result that I want versus making my kid have all the power to give me the results that I want. You see, we are actually burying our own, burying ourselves in our own grave by giving all this power away, but we don't see that. We don't see how we're actually working against ourselves. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, you, two-year-old, make me feel better. You know, when I'm, not, when I'm feeling upset, you, four-year-old, is freaking out. You make me feel better. Yes. We're giving them the power over our our emotions and our experience, and we really yes. have to change that in ourselves. Right. And we have to learn as parents, I say in my book, The Parenting Map, there are three reasons why your kid is not doing X, Y, or Z. Number one, their brains haven't developed, so they just don't have the skills. Uh. Number two, they just don't have the information or the experience because they haven't lived long enough. And number three, they don't have the self-worth that they don't feel good enough. So if you can keep remembering these three things, you then have to adapt. Okay, what is it? Oh, their brain is not developed. So how can I communicate in a way that my two-year-old understands that they need to not hit, but their brain is telling them to hit. Mm. Their brain is not telling them to talk logic and reason. Number two, I'm telling my two-year-old not to touch the hot stove, but they keep touching the hot stove. Now I'm losing my, my shit on them because I don't realize that they haven't lived long enough and they haven't had those experiences. So how do I communicate to this being? And number three, maybe my kid is just feeling a lack of connection with me and a lack of worth. How do I change that? So these three things immediately bring you back to yourself as a parent oh. and make you understand that you need to adapt your to, to them. It's not just that they have all this power and that they, they, they are these evil, mean, you know, demons living in your house. Yeah, yeah. I think the way that we traditionally look at things like that, it's like behavior is either right or wrong or it's good or bad. This is good if it, I like it and if it complies and it's bad if it isn't. But this is such a, a more nuanced picture to bring that curiosity uh -huh. into the moment to say, OK, is it, is it their brain? Is it their development? Is it their experience? Is it that sense of worth? Those three questions give us a lot of direction to start to understand, like, what is driving the behavior? Because it's not like they're they're not just doing it just to get you, you know, like that. They're not doing it to manipulate you. And if we can we can wrap our heads around that, we can start to then say, OK, why? Why is this happening? And then we can respond effectively, because if we don't have any idea why, whatever we're doing often just exacerbates the situation. Correct. So if your teenager is yelling at you, and you realize that, oh, their brains are overloaded, they're stimulated, it may be a little bit of self-worth, it may be a lot of, you know, life experience. All that is connected to your teenager blowing up at you. You can then say, oh, okay, I understand that they can't handle the situation. They're overwhelmed. Uh. Now, what is in my power? And what is in my power is I can walk away. Uh. I can put a pause and return to the conversation later. Or I can you know, walk away. <laughs> Walking away is really the only answer in those moments. Anything else is you, the parent, entering your own state of dishevelment and your own teenagehood or your own toddlerhood and regressing. Ugh. Anything other than that, you can't talk logic to a teenager when they're exploding. You can't yell at a teenager when they're exploding because you make it worse. The only logical thing at that moment is to understand, have compassion and walk away. So it becomes so simple. When you begin to understand that, A, you need to take care of your own emotions, and B, the kid is having their own emotions that have nothing to do with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the underlying premise of all of this is like you're grounded enough. You've had enough sleep. You've had enough, you know, reduced your stress enough so that you can use your whole brain, your the parts of your brain that process more slowly to ask these questions and to get thoughtful about it rather than be kind of in autopilot and be reactive. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. 
This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay. So step three says relinquish control. So this is a little scary, this idea, right? And so let's imagine I'm the parent who really balks at this idea. Convince me of why I should let go of control. Because on a big mind level, we cannot control any human being. On a big mind level, we cannot even control our own lives beyond our own thoughts and reactions in the moment. So given we can only control our own reactions and our own thoughts, we cannot control even our life, right? Things can happen to us. A brick can fall on our our head at any point. A bird can poop on our fancy clothes at any point. (laughs) We have no control. And we cannot literally control any other human being, except if we lock them up and physically control them. So given that, relinquishing control is a beautiful place to start your conscious parenting journey, because it forces you to look for the alternative. What is the alternative now? The alternative is only some form of connection. My control needs to be converted to connection. And through connection, I can have this relationship. And through this relationship, my kid will, quote unquote, understand what I'm saying, and maybe if I want that, listen to me to a degree. That's why I say relinquish control. It's because controlling another human is an illusion. All humans want to control themselves. Now, you can have a connection which creates an influence, which creates an impact, but that is all based on relationship building skills. Control takes you out of relationship building skills. Control is mechanistic, dualistic, separationist, and it just creates dysfunction because it's hierarchical. So we want to shift that control into connection. So the other day, you know, uh, my daughter was telling me about a grade. She's like, I don't think I failed, but maybe I didn't do so well. Maybe I got a C grade. And because I have relinquished control and I don't think it's any of my business anymore, that she get a particular grade and only my business that she sufficiently pass overall and get a degree, I had no panic inside me and I could, I, I could convert my, my concern to her concern over her grades. So I said, oh, how do you feel about your grades? Mm-hmm. And what do you think should be the right plan of action? And what do you feel you want to do? 
because I'm more concerned with A, keeping my connection, and then B, because I have no control over her, I want her to have control over herself. So once you relinquish this idea that you are supposed to be in control, actually your life gets way easier. However, it's a big spiritual practice because it comes with a lot of unknown. But guess what? Control comes with unknown too. Control not only comes with unknown, it comes with dysfunction. Relinquishing control continues the unknown, but it comes with connection. Yeah. So when we're we're realizing it basically we control is an illusion anyway, is what you're saying, right? Like that's like we don't we never had it to begin with. Like this is a, a myth yeah. that our, our society is giving us that you should yeah. at the very least be in control of your kids. Like that's that's actually a ridiculous statement. And so I'm wondering, like, for the person who says, oh, my God, I don't have control. This is terrifying. But I like what you're inviting us into considering this idea of focusing it then into relationship. And kind of what I'm hearing kind of behind this is like instead of control, we can move into coaching or inviting or, you know, the things we might like if we had, uh, you know, if we had a, a good friend over who, you know, we wanted to invite them to to help us clean up the kitchen or make cookies with us or things we might do with our kids, we wouldn't just bark orders at them and try to control them, right? We would invite them. We would talk to them in a different way. Is that, that's kind of where you're saying? Yes. And, and to shift this idea that, you know, relinquishing control means putting the quote unquote control into the right buckets. So I have control over my emotions. I have control over my reactions. I have control over my judgments. I have control over my sermons. Uh -huh. I have control over my connection. And that's why this book, The Parenting Map, is singularly focused uh -huh. really on how does a parent get themselves out of the way so that they can truly connect with their children. Because that's what every parent wants more than anything, is a thriving relationship. And, and we should want that and also want our kids to have a thriving relationship with themselves. Wow. And in order to do that, we have to give up this thing we call control because the kid needs to develop that relationship to themselves before anybody else. So that's that's what the focus is of a conscious parent. Well, that's perfect because it brings us to my next question because you talk about you. it's all in steps, which I love and you're going to love, dear listener. Step A is catch your ego. You talk about the masks our ego wears when we're feeling afraid or insecure, when we're basically in fight, flight or freeze, which we are often as parents. Like that is our number one job is to, you know, take care of ourselves so that we are hopefully not in fight, flight, or freeze. But when we are in fight, flight, or freeze, tell us what happens. You talk about the five Fs, like we turn into fighters, fixers, feigners, freezers, and fleers. <laughs> I just made it easy for parents to understand that they have developed coping mechanisms from childhood mm. in terms of dealing with anxiety. Anxiety is at the bottom of it all, right? It's all anxiety. Under every, every addiction is anxiety oh, of being in the present moment. So We've developed these ego defense patterns. And so in my book, I, I, I went beyond the fight, flight, or freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. Yes, to add two more, uh, the feigners and the free, the, the fixers. The fixers, sorry, the fixers. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically the fighter is, as we know, the one who explodes into anger and wants to, yeah, is that you? Yeah, that was me. I'm the fixer. I'm the fixer. Then I become the, the fighter. What, what happens to you after the fighter? Is this more fighter or you become a fleer or freezer? Oh, I fight and then I flee. Yes. Because, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. have remember walking up and down my street multiple times to cool down. <laughs> yeah, I, I fix, I fight, and then I, I flee. We're <laughs> <is> so healthy. <laughs> so the fighter is a typical exploder. It's masculine energy. It just wants it done. Get it done now. Do as I say. And can we just end the, the chaos? The fixer is the enabler, is the rescuer, is the savior, yeah. is the one who cannot tolerate the anxiety of the kid failing an exam, so they'll do the whole paper. You know, the kid can't put on their shoelaces, they'll go and put on the shoelaces for the kid. So things like that. The feigner is the one who's only concerned about everything looking good. Uh, you know, I have friends like that. 
Do you, do you know any? Oh, like, yeah, the Instagram mom. The Instagram mom, basically. <laughs> the trophy, the, the trophy kid, the, the oh. stager, you know, everything is about staging it right. Can you just look, you know, the one, the parent who's always putting all the trophies out is at all the, you know, the award shows, wants the kid to win the prize, puts everything up on social media. You know, basically their kid is a little trophy. Oh. And then the, the freezer and the fleers are the ones who've had more trauma in their childhood, who literally are terrified of messy feelings and who literally have created a lifestyle where they're not around. So the freezer is around, but they're basically a persona non grata, you know, and they just are there, but they don't want to be involved in the nitty gritty or get their feet dirty. They just want to be there in, you know, in kind, not in cash, right? They're just there. They are an asset in terms of just being there, but they're not of any value that you can liquidate, right? To talk in financial terms. And then the, the fear is somebody who's just an abandoner because they've been so abandoned in their life. They, they, they flee. So we can flee in the moment, like you and I flee in the moment. But I'm also talking about the chronic fleers who are just not there at all. Or even psychologically fleeing, yes. right? Like just checking out behind the phone or yes. that kind of stuff too. Yeah, okay. Yes, so that that is on a spectrum, but that is because they themselves experience so much trauma in their lives. And I've given these categories so that we can just quickly identify, oh my goodness, like once I realized I was a fixer, I now know to pause. I now know, okay, before you ask too many questions, before you go and save the situation, take a breath, leave the room, get your thoughts together, calm your anxiety down, oh. right? Or if you know you're a fighter, before you open your mouth to start screaming, you begin to pause. So it's just useful to identify. But then I also help parents in this book understand that their kids develop their own ego masks as well. So now your kid could be you know, you, you could be a fighter and your kid could be a fixer. Oh. So you don't want to, to encourage that in your children, right? Because we want our children to be in their essence, not in their ego. But our kids will be in their ego if we're in our ego. So we now create a pattern with our children. And one of my, uh, one of my friends just read the book recently and she, I loved it because she came to me and she said, oh my goodness, I thought my kid was such a good girl. And now I see that she's just being a fixer yeah. because she's taking care of my feelings. And that was such a revelation for her. She didn't realize that. So this book offers that kind of perspective that allows you to understand your kid's ego as well. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that so much. And I think that that's helpful to identify ourselves to say, OK, this is where I am. This is where I need to kind of target my work. But the thing about your kids is so interesting, too. I really enjoy that. You know, you talk about this idea, these with some categories with the kids, too, which I really appreciated. You said, you know, the anxious explorer, the hyperactive explorer. And and my first daughter was definitely the anxious explorer. Definitely. So what are some of these ways that we can understand our kids and, and how does that then help us parent them? Right. We don't want to typecast children ever, but our kids will come with some sort of unique essence. Like when my kid was two years old at her birthday party, the photographer came to me and said, it's not my fault. Your kid doesn't smile. <laughs> and Maya to this day will not easily smile. And the fixer in me, that is the, the smiler of like, I can win every contest. I love to smile. But it comes from this pleasing place too, was horrified at having a daughter who wasn't, you know, pleaser like me. So I don't know about you. Has your kid kind of stayed anxious to a, to a certain extent? Yeah, yeah, she has. Yeah. So, you know, if we're very careful and we are very attentive, we can tune into our kid's essence and just appreciate them for who it is they are. Well, so in that chapter, uh, that step where I talk about recognizing your kid's essence, and I gave all these categories, it's not to typecast the children, but to appreciate that if your kid is this dreamy, recluse kid, that's a superpower. You know, help your kids see that and then also prepare them for how they're going to appreciate, uh, how they're going to be appreciated in life. Like my daughter is, you know, somebody who doesn't smile much. So her icon on my phone is a porcupine. But I love porcupines. I told her, be you, but just know that this is going to rock people in, in a different way. They're going to poke, you're going to poke people. And she's like, I'm fine with that. So, okay, that's your essence. 
it's so lovely and I've learned to appreciate it. I wish I had some bristles because I've gotten into so much trouble because of my smiling, appeasing self. So that, that step about understanding your children's essence and allowing it and celebrating it will relieve you of so much anxiety and desire to fix. Like I, another thing that, you know, my daughter taught me about her essence when she was young, she said to me, I hate competitions. So at first I resisted it because I wanted to be like every other parent who was showcasing their kids. I wanted to be a fainer parent who was like all about staging their kid's life. But the minute I appreciated her essence and celebrated it, it relieved me. We were like, great. I was like, great. No tournaments, no competitions. That's off my books. And that just eased me into a new relationship with her versus if I wanted to push my agenda because I didn't appreciate her essence, I would have created catastrophical, catastrophic uh, dysfunction between us. I really appreciate that. And I, and I can relate specifically to that, not wanting to um, compete. My second daughter is a horseback rider and she just loves the horses. Like she does, you know, sometimes her, her riding instructor says to make this horse canter and she can sense that the horse does not want to canter. So she does not want to like force the horse to canter. She doesn't want to compete. And for me, I competed when I was, I loved like jumping over fences and like that was like fun for me and so yeah I had to like it was like okay I had to really listen like I think what this this is these chapters are doing are inviting the reader to get curious and to really listen and then to honor you know and the idea of I had to really listen to her say okay and it was it was like great I don't have to wake up at 4 30 in the morning and like bring boots and saddles into you know and things like right. that and drive hours away like I'm not going to be doing that you know and right, but, but I think and right go ahead go ahead no no I'll, and then just the same with my other daughter who really loves to read and she pulled out some vocab word the other day and I was like man that is because of all the reading you do and like high five girl you know and and it, it's great you know right. it, it just is, gives us this permission to celebrate who they are rather than some idea of who they should be Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Yes, yes. And one of the steps is called end the movie and the fantasy because we have to grieve that. Mm. We enter the process believing they will be a mini me or a better version of us, right? That's it. That's our fantasy. Be a better version of me and be like me, uh, but better, right? And that is such a disastrous uh, setup because A, we don't recognize when our children are not us. We don't celebrate it. But also we stop them from being themselves. But then the worst thing we do to ourselves 
is we have this great disappointment. But we set ourselves up for the disappointment. Mm. And we don't see that. So imagine relinquishing that and releasing all expectations. Now we're starting with a fresh canvas and we're understanding who our kids are moment by moment. And it changes every, every month. It could change, at least in the early years. There's no, you know, repetition going on. There's, it could happen one time and then we could not see that behavior again for many, many months. Uh, but then as they grow older, recognizing that this is who they are and appreciating and celebrating them. I think that's such a healthy way for us to be, you know, and it's such a beautiful invitation. I love that. Um, so you you talk about, you have a chapter on kids speak, and you talk, you say that all our child's misaligned behavior is a sign. And this is an acronym for something inside gone negative. So how does this help us like hold boundaries around that misaligned behavior? Well, the first thing is to understand that most of us humans, uh, but definitely children who haven't learned the skills yet to communicate articulately in real time about their feelings, we have to give them a handicap, right? And we have to understand that when they're screaming or yelling or being disrespectful or unmotivated, it's not just a behavior in and of itself. It's a symptom of a deep-rooted cause that we need to tap into to understand the symptom. And that's why I created the acronym S-I-G-N, something inside gone wrong, gone negative. What is, what's going negative? What's, what, are, what is the misalignment inside my kid that is causing the disrespect, for example? So if your kid is being disrespectful, your initial egoic reaction is to yell back, to control, or to punish. But if you understood that, ah, they're just being disrespectful because they're disrespecting themselves right now. They are actually confused right now. They are actually stressed out right now. The first thing you do is don't take it personally. The second thing you'll do, therefore, is not yell and scream back, which only makes it worse. Then the third thing you'll do is create a choice. And what are your choices? Well, they're very, there are a varied number of choices depending on the age and developmental level of your kid. If your kid is under six years old, your choice is to, first choice is to make them safe. So sometimes you may have to hold them. Sometimes you may have to remove them from the situation. Sometimes you may have to put them in their crib or close the door or take out all the sharp objects. The first thing is creating safety. If they're safe, now you have lots of choices. You can try to mirror them back and go, I get, I get it, I get it. You're angry, you're angry. Mama made you angry or whatever you want to say. Yes, mama made me angry. And then you can both, can I, can I show you how you look angry right now? And then you can be angry and mirror the feeling, but you have to first create safety, then create validation, then mirror. And I talk about all these techniques in the book. And you can then handle the situation till the wave passes. If it's an older kid, you can create the boundary by leaving them, going, I see that you're in a mood. I can see that you're not in, you know, the right space to have this conversation. I see that you're angry with me, but you're not able to communicate. I'll be back. I'm going to take a time out. So all of this can happen once you yourself realize that it is not about you. It's about something going on within them. And your goal and role as a parent is to simply take that energy that they're pushing and shoving down you, take it all and put it back on them. Hey, I guess you're not feeling really too well, good right now. Hey, I think you're stressed out. Even just understanding that for yourself will create compassion. And it frees you, it liberates you because the other way is to take it personally, which then makes you feel like you have to have seek retribution right away, which makes you feel like you have to fix the problem right now. And that just causes so much dysfunction. Don't take it personally, people. This is the second time Shefali has said this in this conversation. And I think it is so important, right? This is like, your kid is not mini you. We have to let them. You said something a long time ago. I heard you talk at the Zen Parenting Radio Conference. Shout out to Kathy and Todd. And you said, love your kids more and care less. And I've held that with me and I've shared that with many people. Love you know. And because it's so brilliant because we have to just like, they're going to do stupid, dumb things driven by misalignments in something inside going negative. And 
that's part of life. Like we can't take that all personally. And a lot of times we might be at the receiving end of some of this stuff because we are around. We are right here. And then we also have to hold some boundaries. So I love this. Don't take it personally. So, so important. Okay. In the chapter on discipline, you ask us to ponder this question. What is my boundary made of? Stone or sand? And I thought that was a really interesting question. And so I was wondering if you could speak to like, what are the boundaries that should be rigid and what are the boundaries that should be more flexible? Understanding there's a lot of range here. Yeah. Well, I'm really, you know, into making my life simpler because I care so much about myself um, that I don't want to complicate it. So for me, it's as simple as this. My rigid boundary will only be around harm of the self or harm of others. And I really don't even care so much about emotional harm because that's often subjective and arbitrary. For example, if if one sibling says to another sibling, you're so silly or you're so lazy, and the other sibling says, mom, create a boundary because she has emotionally harmed me, I, I may not make that a non-negotiable stone boundary because I will teach the other kid how to handle her emotions in reaction. And I think it's a valuable lesson because people are going to be emotionally disruptive, lazy, inarticulate, and we have to handle that. But physical is where I draw the line. Absolutely. So what does that mean? Anything that is physically toxic, which includes all social media beyond a point, video games beyond a point, and drugs and alcohol. Now, again, after, my, after your kid turns 18 and they're at college, you don't have jurisdiction. So forget any sort of control until you hear about it, right? But for me, the biggest red flags are drugs and alcohol and everything related with substances, but including um, video games and social media, especially when your kids are living with you, right? And of course, that, that gray area of social media and video games is not so arbitrary because who there's not enough research yet. But you can imagine anything over two hours a day is not good for your kid's brain. And if they're under 10, it's not good even more than 30 minutes a day. So you can use your logic and common sense. So a stone boundary would be, you know, around these things if I see that it's becoming toxic and abusive. And then, you know, I, I encourage parents that if it goes to a level that is too much beyond your capacity, Please take your kids to a treatment center. Please hire a professional. Do not think that you're just going to wait for this to pass. So those are my non-negotiables, you know. Um, and then the rest of it, I kind of say, is kind of negotiable, you know. Um, and I have given a map around that as well in the book. I talk about, you know, hygiene, uh, cleanliness, respect, all these things that you want to be non-negotiable about, but you learn over time with wisdom that you really have to negotiate. And what I mean by negotiation is creating a win-win situation for both people. I remember during the first few months of COVID and my daughter was home, she kind of stopped bathing every day. And that was like, I was, I can, even now I'm speechless. That became a big deal for me. I was horrified. And I began imagining her as a homeless person and bag lady, you know, I just, I just went crazy. And she was like, mom, I will have a shower, but I've not even gotten out of bed all day, right? Because these kids were just in their bed and their pajamas. So I had to really manage my emotions then. And then now, lo and behold, you know, she's in college and she's having multiple showers sometimes a day and she's okay. But it's that tolerance of, of your anxiety because we project into the future and managing those anxieties is really important. And creating a win-win situation. Okay, you don't want to bathe every day now because you're home all the time. Can you please bathe on the third day? Come on now. Come on now. And, and But you do it through the relationship and you do it through a connection versus through a, a command and a punishment. The power struggle. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an inverse relationship between power and influence, right? We want to use our influence. I mean, I think about that like there are so many things I wanted to be non-negotiable, you know, eating your eating vegetables, you know, and staying at the table and oh my making sure you get outside for exercise, doing your chores before you have any screen time and things like that. And I find that the boundaries are made of 
sand, you know, rather than rather than stone, really, because it becomes like, a yeah, some, you know, something that happens through repetition and instruction. And boy, look how great you felt after you just went out after school and went for a walk instead of sat down in the corner of the couch and looked at your phone and look how much energy you had and how it felt good for you, right? It's more about like that idea of going back to the very beginning, the idea of coaching or inviting rather than controlling, right? Because the control really is an illusion. It's an illusion. Right. And we're setting ourselves up as parents when we have too many rules, you know? I really, you know, had very few rules. You know, I didn't have a rule of sitting at the table because I was like, I'm not going to stress out. You know, we can connect outside the table. And you know, food is something that we pay so much attention to anyway that we don't need to. We can just eat fast and then go talk on the couch or go talk wherever the kid is. Like these rules just create these barriers for communication, I think, and connection more than pathways for it. Well, I think it's a fabulous book. I'm so glad you, the fixer, wrote another book for us all to help fix our our relationships and ourselves. There's like six guys, yes. I really appreciate it. The Parenting Map, and it is out now as this podcast is out. Um, Shafali, is there anything that we miss? I mean, there's so many things we miss that we don't have time to talk about. But is there anything you want to leave the listener with? And then where can they find you if they want to learn more? I just think, you know, when we parent consciously, as you and I talk about all the time, it's a game changer. And if we don't educate ourselves on this beautiful philosophy, we're really robbing our children of the greatest opportunity of us being the most present we can be. And my daughter's 20 now, and I, I raised her pretty much consciously. There were huge pockets of unconsciousness. And the other day I was with her and her friends, and she was telling her friends how I forced her into ballet and, you know, all her traumas. And, but she was laughing. And so it's not that I was perfect, but she also told her friends, you know, my mom never punished me and never, ever hit me and never controlled me beyond a point. So I see the effects of it. And it's the more difficult way to parent. It's the more, you know, impactful way in terms of our own healings. It's, it takes our own inner work to do this work. But at the end of it, uh, the results are a much more beautiful connection. But not just that, you give your kids the inestimable gift of their own inner connection. That's what I see my daughter has more than anything. You know, she has a connection to herself. And that's what this book is going to help parents give their children uh, this inestimable connection to themselves. So grab the, the book, The Parenting Map, or give it to anyone who's struggling or not struggling and just wants to be a better parent. Absolutely. Uh, it's such a hopeful message that you have. And I, and I, I second that. It's beautiful when you can get to the other side of when you thought it's going to be horrible. My daughter's about to turn 16. And I thought if, if my own childhood was any, it was going to be horrible, but it's beautiful. And it's, you know, it's a heart connection that is just amazing. So, you know, the work I did with this has a lot to do with the work you did. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your time. So great to connect again. And I, I really, really appreciate everything you've you've written and what you've put out in the world has made a, a huge impact. Huge. So thank you so much, Shafali. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a fabulous conversation that was. I love the idea that a misaligned behavior is a sign, something inside gone negative. So simple. And then we can look at what are we, right? Are we a fighter, a fixer? Are you a freezer, a fleer? So, so great. I really love talking to Shafali about this book. Listen, if you loved this episode, I know this is definitely one to share. Please leave a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It makes such a big difference. 
and it gets the podcast out. Of course, word of mouth is amazing, but we love, love, love those reviews. And I want to give a shout out to a review from Megan TW, her five-star review. She said, it's wonderful. She wrote, I truly appreciate this podcast. After purchasing and starting Raising Good Humans, I downloaded episodes and it has truly helped me learn and practice. I would not have been successful with the practices and work of the book without the guided meditations. It has been huge in helping me apply what I have learned. Thank you. Thank you so much, Megan. I really, really appreciate it. So leave that rating and review. It makes such a big, big difference. And I I hope you loved this episode. I love this episode. So powerful. I hope this helps you move into your week with more awareness, more consciousness, more compassion for yourself and how hard this journey is. And I, I hope you have a beautiful week with those moments you know, with that awareness, maybe leading to those moments of true connection with our kids rather than jumping to the next thing, to the to-do or the judgments and things that pop into our heads. Maybe we can just practice to really be there and that can give us so much rest and ease to just be in that present moment. So I wish that for you. I will be practicing it as well here. And I want to just thank you for being here, part of this conversation, part of this revolution, part of this community. Rock on you. And I'm wishing you a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.